Moncrief on News Talk. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. Now, for many years in Dublin, Niall Harbison was your archetypal social media entrepreneur, creating hugely profitable companies like Love and Dublin, courting a bit of publicity and going out on the town. A lot. His problems with alcohol were one of the reasons why he cashed out of his businesses and moved to Thailand. Once there, the problems didn't entirely go away, but eventually he discovered a new purpose, helping street dogs. Now, good afternoon. Good afternoon. How are you? Uh, You'd been going to Thailand for a while before you decided to move there. Uh, yes, I had. I'd been escaping the Irish winters uh, in a month, uh, pretty much every December. And then I just took the plunge and decided to get out of out of the bad weather. The long winters just killed me in Ireland and the dark nights. Uh, it wasn't good for my mind. <laughs> right. And was it just the bad weather you were escaping? Um, yeah, I think, I mean, I, I, sorry to get so deep, but I gave up alcohol and stuff like that. So I, Ireland's not a great place for me to to be in the winter when it's uh, Christmas party season, dark, dark nights. And yeah, so I just wanted a healthier lifestyle and try and move somewhere, um, somewhere nice weather. Yeah. Yeah. But it was actually in Thailand, as I understand it, where, you know, it got even worse for a while. And then you made that decision. Yeah, it did. Um, I yeah ended up in hospital from from drinking uh, in ICU. Just um, went on a, a mad bender. I think probably had too much time in my hands because I wasn't working and uh, various various different factors. But yeah, it, it sort of hit rock bottom. But it's all been good since then. But um, it was a good it was a good eye, eye opener to to get as low as you can get with booze um, and then and then try and bounce back. That's what I've been doing. Yeah. Because, well, if you had nothing to do, I suppose it was just you had nothing to do except drink all day long. Yeah, nothing to do and nobody to answer to either, you know, like at least if you're in Ireland, there's people that you know and you you have to go to work and, you you know, like whereas here you could wake up at 10 in the morning with a hangover and just say, ah, feck it, I'll, I'll uh, go and have another beer by the beach, um, which is nice, you know, like I think everybody does that on their holidays for a a few days or, you know, maybe a week. But uh, yeah, I couldn't couldn't live like that. Yeah, because I mean, I have read things where even when you were still living in Dublin, you you, you had spoken a lot about uh, having difficulties with alcohol. Did you kind of massively so? Yeah. Like, uh, sorry, uh, in Thailand, when you when you find, and obviously you got a major scare, but did you get to a point where you were able to say, figure out why you were doing this to yourself? Um, oh Jesus! If I knew that, I'd be everything <laughs> sorted. But um, it's just sort of self-destruction. I think I was a functioning alcoholic, and uh, for about—I mean, I'm not joking—twenty years. Even when I was doing, you know, what would be perceived as reasonably well from the outside in business and work and personal life, I, I was always—you know—it would start long weekends, and then eventually, you know, I'd be having a glass of wine on a Monday morning at ten o'clock, even. Um, in days when I was working um, in, in Ireland. So mm. it, it had always been there and then it just sort of hit rock bottom and accelerated a little bit uh, here in Thailand. But I, I'm, funny enough, I'm actually glad it did because it took that scare to get me to where I am now. So, um, yeah. Yeah. The, uh, yeah. Breakfast wine is never uh, never a good move. The, the, and, but, but I suppose also kind of parallel to that maybe was a realisation that uh, uh, your dog who you brought from Dublin with you was one of the constants in your life. Yes, Snoop. Uh, I brought him all the way over here. And I, I sort of like, I mean, I never, 
let him down. I mean, I suppose the worst thing I would have done when I'm drinking and stuff like that was I might have, you know, had to feed him and I came home and just passed out without remembering to feed him, which, but I mean, I always, he's the one thing that I did always look after, but I still just felt like he was sitting there looking at me drinking through all this time. And I was just like, um, yeah, I need to have a better life for him, you know? Mm, yeah. And, and had you noticed already that Thailand has a disproportionate, or Koh Samui perhaps uh, only, has a disproportionate amount of dogs? Yeah, I'd always noticed it. And it is Thailand in general. And it's a lot of Asian countries. There's 8 million street dogs in uh, Thailand. And um, it's, yeah. Are uh, you doing a bit of hoovering in the background there, oh, Nile, as yeah, well? Can I just move the, It's just one of the dogs. Brittany's going mad. Sorry. Yeah. All right. Oh, right. I see. That's what it is. Right. Okay. It's dog action. Yeah. Yeah. We're all done. There. Sorry. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> that's fine. That's fine. We were wondering because you know you never know with these digital lines whether it's just some weird distortion yeah. or not. Anyway, no, I- uh, <laughs> lot of dogs in Thailand. Lot of dogs in Asian countries in general. Yes, there's it's it's really hard to understand. I'm sure a lot of your listeners have been to, you know, Asia or Thailand or different countries where there's stray dogs. But, you know, the, the way you'd be in Dublin and you'd go down to Centra or the pub or a restaurant, there'd be three or four dogs outside the, the restaurants and bars and everything here in Thailand. Um, and it's just a different culture. There's, you know, I live in a small village stroke town, uh, maybe 10,000 people. There's about a thousand stray dogs in that town, which is just just crazy um, and it's not that they don't the, the dogs are not badly treated they're buddhist uh, people here and they it's sort of like whatever will be will be but it's they're not looked after and they you know dogs are really bad at looking after themselves and um, funnily enough mm-hmm. um they're you know they're not great at taking themselves to the vet they can definitely scavenge around and get food and stuff like that but it's a pretty pretty miserable existence for them if i'm honest yeah so when you started this was it just you went out every day and fed as many as you could? I took, I tell you exactly what happened. I, like after I went to hospital, I kind of took a, it took me a year to recover. I'm not joking. I was mm. that sick. I was, uh, the first month I came out, I couldn't even remember my uh, uh, ATM code. I swear to God, I was try, <laughs> I was there trying to type it in and I just couldn't remember. I couldn't remember my bank, online banking details, just email pass. I, I, like my brain was just, mush i mean i don't know if it was uh like a breakdown or uh like it was just an absolute uh carnage <laughs> of of a lot of build-up so i took a long time off um to just think about what i wanted to do and just just really rest i guess and then one day i started feeding i always fed the dogs here and there because uh, i felt sorry for them and then i i bought a little bag of food which is maybe five kg one in january and i fed about three or four, maybe five dogs. And I did that for a day or two. And then, you know, I bought a 10 kg bag and it sort of grew to 10 dogs. And just that's how it started. Literally, I've always at the back of my mind had something about, you know, doing animals or a sanctuary or something. But it just sort of happened organically where I start. I was coming home from football one day and I started feeding them. And uh, yeah, it's grown since then. Yeah. And, and but now it includes those trips to the vet or indeed getting them sterilized. Yes. Like I said, the food, if I didn't feed the dogs, I feed them every day. I haven't missed a day since January, nine months. But if I didn't feed them tomorrow, you know, they wouldn't die. They'd be fine. But the medical attention is way more important. They get fleas, ticks, all sorts of diseases. Um, and what I've focused on, I've done a lot of researches and 
you can't fix it. I mean, I could fi- fix a hundred dogs, but it's it's like a sticky plaster on a heart attack. It's not gonna it's not gonna do anything. It'll make me feel good, but it's not gonna solve the bigger picture. So sterilizing is the answer, um, which controls the population. There's no sort of government um, schemes as there, you know, like there's no control. So it's it's up to individuals. So my plan is to sterilize as many as possible, uh, which will get the population down. I mean, it's a it's a massive job. Costs about. 50 euros give or take per dog um but each each dog that you sterilize will stop you know 10 20 30 puppies so it's it's mm. definitely the only way forward are you the only person there doing this or maybe other other charities doing it too there's definitely other charities there's a lot of goodwill and westerners and retired people and people putting their heart and soul in it and i'm not i don't want to slag anybody off in the slightest but a lot of people will sp- spend their energy on feeding the dogs or you know keeping the ones alive that are there and that's great that you know the, but i really want to try and tackle tackle it further up the chain and uh eradicate the problem i guess altogether yeah so when you feed the dogs now do, uh, do you go to them still or do they come to you when you come out of your apartment in the morning is there like 19 dogs in a queue kind of thing waiting for oh, you? Yeah. I have a moped and a Jeep and I, I prefer to do it on the moped of a 25 kg bag now and I feed 80 of them because uh, the moped is nice. The sun is out, you're, you're cruising around. The Jeep I use for the bad weather because there's sort of rainy season here. Mm. Um, but no, I go to them and if you can imagine maybe a small Irish town, like there'll be a dog waiting at the end of every driveway or, you know, they're not driveways, but they're the end of every little sort of place where they live because it is hard to understand, but dogs will have their little territory and it's only maybe 50 square meters. So I know exactly where they be, exactly what time. Um, and then, yeah, just drive around feeding them. Oh, God. And that's a whole day then for you, I assume. It's about that's about two hours in the morning. But then what happens is I'll see stuff out there. Somebody will have got whacked by a car. Another one might have two of them might have been fighting and so then i need to start taking them to the vets and so yeah the days do get away from me puppies especially there'll be you know 10 puppies dumped at the side of the road so it's it's like the rspca or uh, maybe that's the english one the the dspca is the dublin one yeah Yeah, uh, at the moment nyla you're like you're funding all this yourself yeah, I mean, people have donated. What happens is I, I fund all the food and uh, stuff like that, which is not crazy expensive. It's, you know, a thousand, two thousand euros a month. Um, but what happens is the medical bills are really expensive. They're, they're no different to back home. Like a leg will be, a broken leg will be, you know, a thousand euros or, you know, 1500, something mm. like that. And I, usually what happens is I, I'll share pictures of that and people really will jump in and, and say like, look, can I literally cover that dog's vet bill? So that's, that's been really helpful and in the few occasions, but the hardest part is then you can't help them all. Like I could drive out tomorrow and pick up 10 dogs to fix that would cost 10 grand, but you know, that's, that's not going to, that's not feasible and it's yeah. not going to, it's not gonna fix the bigger problem either. Yeah. So is this your future now or are you the, the dog man of Kosamui? I think uh, even bigger, I'm not, uh, I want to fix street dog, uh, street dogs worldwide. And that's a big lofty mission, but um, I'm kind of treating this as an apprenticeship of just fixing them and learning everything on the, at the ground level. But I really want to fix them at a bigger level because the, the suffering that they have is insane. Like you just, you wouldn't believe the suffering the dogs have. And, you know, if, 
we all love our pets in the West and, you know, you'll have one dog or one cat or a couple of dogs, whatever, like, and they might get a little nick on their toe or something. And you, I used to freak out if Snoop had, a, you know, a small maybe eye cut or something. Whereas these dogs are literally, it's like, I know that I don't want to make light of Ukraine or something, but it's like walking into a battle zone every day. There'd be dogs with legs hanging off, dogs with, um, you know, fighting each other. People have taken machetes to dogs. Like mm. it's, it's really like the suffering is pretty bad. So I want to try and end that. Okay, well, best of luck with that and uh, continuing good health to you. Niall Harbison, thanks a million. Cheers. Thanks, guys. And uh, a lot of people, uh, a lot of people texting in on Twitter as well, uh, um, heaping praise on Niall. I follow Niall on Instagram and have contributed to his help for dogs. McMuffin, uh, one of his rescues, who had dozens of tumours, is looking brill. Niall is absolutely amazing with them and for them. Uh, says Margaret and somebody else wants to know ask the uh, dog father uh, did his Irish dog uh, I think his name was Snoop uh, have any difficulty understanding the Thai dogs well it's a well obviously dogs can't talk and tell you this but uh, but I kind of infer that a little bit a bit of wisdom uh, that dogs that all dogs know is that no matter where you go in the world all butts smell largely the same Moncrief. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. Weekdays at 2 pm on News Talk.